Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Down to Earth with Terry Cameron. It's Sunday. And on Sunday mornings, we talk about faith and its impact on our lives. Down to Earth is a show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, we're going to talk about the ending of a decade. That's right, the ending of a decade. Today is the first day of the last month of the 2010s. It's been 10 years, y'all. So we're going to talk about how our faith, has improved or not, how we have seen some things rock our faith, and what can we expect, and what do we think is going to happen in the next decade? I'm curious, because the 2010s brought us, the 2010s brought us iPods, earpods, iPads, right, iPhones, then the Samsung people went and stole that technology. I'm, I'm not kidding you. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying anything, but we're going to talk about that in depth. I'm not criticizing or saying anything. I'm just saying that Samsung did not exist. Samsung phones did not look like iPhones until iPhones were made. So I don't think it was iPhones who copied I don't mind you. They say uh, uh, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, I guess. But the thing is, if you're going to imitate me, don't be just like me. You know what I mean? That is injurious, and I find it is disingenuous. It's almost as if you're saying, I like you, but I don't want you to know that I like you. That's disingenuous. I like what you're doing, and I want to be just like you. So I'm going to copy everything that you do just the same. That's how the Samsung Galaxy phones are to me. I can't, the technology is archaic. I can't use them. <laughs> I just simply can't. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. You give me one and I'm like, where do you go with this stuff? What do you do? It's like a throwback to like 2004, 2007. So <laughs> there's a parody running through on social media about earpods. Anyone knows what those are? AirPods. Right. Well, AirPods are uh, AirPods are these nifty little were Bluetooth, <laughs> the descendants of Bluetooth. <laughs> I'm dying. And the, the ear, and so you put them in your ear and you're driving. So this parody, this, this, this meme is running through on social media. I came across. And in the meme, this guy is saying, that he has AirPods and he thinks he lost them, and in lo- he might have lost them in his Tesla. So it's it's it, it's it's the, the representation of it is that if you have AirPods, you own a Tesla, and he's sitting on the beach and he's like, "What am I without my AirPods? Where is God? God doesn't like me." And then he's like, "Am I a poor because I don't have AirPods?" And then. He found his wife 
with the Bluetooth device. Remember those? We thought we were so cool. And he's like, what is this? <laughs> 2007. You've got to see this parody. I'm going to send it to my Twitter feed later on. You've got to see this. It is hilarious. It's running through on Twitter and on Instagram. <laughs> and I, for one, I am dying. <laughs> right? It's just crazy, this stuff. So in the last 10 years, technology sort of platooed. I mean, in 2008, 2009, I remember when I got a Trio 650 phone. Anybody remember that? You you could type it on screen. Anybody remember that? And it had a stylus. I thought I was so cool, and then I bought a Bluetooth device. You couldn't talk to me. I had a, before they brought in the pink ones, I had a silver one that matched my silver Trio 650 with a stylus. You couldn't talk to me. I, I would walk without my feet. I walked on air. <laughs> my feet did not touch the ground. I was so cool. I thought I was the coolest. I was just walking, and people were looking at me, and the phone rings, and I'm like, hello? <laughs> and I'm carrying on a conversation. <laughs> and the phone is not on my ear, so people were like, who are you talking to? And I'm like pointing to my ear. I'm on the phone. Oh, the places. Then they brought in, then we got iPhones. And I was with Verizon Wireless. And Verizon Wireless didn't do iPhones for a long time. Can you imagine? It sucked. So I, at one point I was like, maybe I should go to AT&T. I hated AT&T because they were archaic and old. <laughs> but they had iPhones. And then finally, guess what? Verizon brought in iPhones. I thought, and it was white. Do you remember? My first iPhone was white. I thought I was so cool. I had a MacBook that was white. Then I had an iPhone. By the end of that year, I got an iPad. I remember taking a picture and posting it on social media, how I was surrounded by my favorite things for Christmas and all my pretty things. And, oh, we were so cool. That was the beginning of the 2010s. We should have known something was up because we had survived the recession 2008, 2009. So we should have known that there would have been repercussions from the reception, the recession. And then the church scandals began in earnest. That was the decade of church scandals. If any of the decades had church scandals, it was the 2010s. And it was the 2010s, ironically, that either taught you faith or taught you that faith didn't exist. So you, you emerge from that decade with either a clearer idea that there is God or there is no God. But one way or the other, you were not iffy about it. Twenty Because of social media and the rampantness of it, I mean, social media was everywhere by this time. Guess what happened? Everybody now had access to social media. It was pervasive. You couldn't live. That's when we discovered Amazon was a thing. The 2010s brought online retail. The 2010s, Black Friday became an establishment. Prior to that, it was just, oh, it's the day after Thanksgiving. Okay, we'll just go shopping for some deals. But after 2010, Black Friday became an institution. (laughs) I kid you not. So many things happened. The proliferation of iPhones. Anybody remembers the touchscreen Blackberry? 
Oh, I was so cool. I was so the trendsetter. I had a touchscreen BlackBerry. You couldn't touch me. Anybody remembers BBM? BlackBerry Messenger? That was me all day. Oh, I loved it. And so the 2010s began in earnest. And it earnestly was moving. Whether you liked it or not, it was not waiting on you. I can tell you one thing I learned looking back on it is that 2010s didn't wait for anybody. It's either you were going to keep it moving or you would be stuck. And if you got stuck, you would stay stuck for such a long time because the world had moved on. Once social media became pervasive, everything just moved at the speed of light. It's almost as if the 2010s accelerated. All of a sudden, those of us who knew we had a destiny and a future to match it, had to develop and move as quickly with the times. If you didn't move, you were lost. In 2009, most of us joined Facebook. Facebook was already a thing, but we did, it wasn't pervasive. 2008, then we discovered that through Facebook, you could develop an online community. You could reconnect with people whom you perhaps went to high school with and family members in distant parts of the world or distant parts of the country. We began to connect with people all over. For people like me, it became a platform. For people like me, social media became media. I have come to appreciate social media as media, not another form of media, but that it is media. In fact, social media is fast replacing traditional media. With social media also came streaming services like Netflix. Netflix was the pioneer here. Right? I remember in 2011 when my daughter opened her first Netflix. She told me about Netflix because it was something college kids were doing because it was cheaper than cable. They didn't care about the news. We used to get notifications on their phones for the news. They don't care. They're in college. They don't give the world stops. Right? And so social media became media. And over time, in the last decade, we're seeing where social media is replacing media. And I am for it. Traditional media. It's stuck up. Traditional media gives, tells you that I know what's best for you. I know what's good for you. And what is good for you is what I'm doing. But social media gives you a chance to express yourself. Now, suddenly, everybody has a voice. And everyone wants to be heard. No one wants to be left behind. Social media gave people that opportunity to voice their concerns. Now we can communicate with our elected representatives much quicker and much faster without sitting down to write a pen, without sitting down to write a letter to the editor or to write a letter. You can simply go to their Facebook page, or so again, their media page, social media, and communicate how you feel. Social media created what we know call influencers, people who are paid to endorse products. Once upon a time, that was only for the rich and famous. That was only for people who were famous. Now, social media, YouTube, and, and other forms and other platforms have become a way for others to discover their talent and to share their talent with the rest of us. It has its good, it has its bad, but largely, it has benefited humanity. Humanity has benefited from some form of social media. It has brought us all together. It has put us in real time. Now, we don't have to wait for CNN to send a camera to London. Somebody can upload it to their Facebook page. They can upload it to Instagram or Twitter. And we can see that. Social media also brought us the Arab Spring. 
the uprising in Egypt that set in place, if they hadn't quelled it, it would have become something else. A lot of interesting things happened in the 20th I think the thing we most remember is media. But what about faith? While all of that was going on, there was a, a startling revolution taking place in the church. Just as social media intersected and affected every other area of our lives, it also affected faith. It affected the delivery of the message of hope and the message of the gospel. The ways in which we deliver that message today changed. We also got a bird's eye view into what people, the people who preach faith, what their lives are really like. And when the mask was taken off and lifted off, we didn't like what we see. That's why you have to be careful sometimes. When you expose yourself, you have to be real careful. You have to make sure what is underneath matches up with what you present. And what we found with, with this, with this advent in social media, was that for a lot of people, they were exposed. What they presented was not what they looked like. Thanks to social media, a lot of people lost their ministries, lost their platforms because their lifestyles just didn't match up with what they were presenting. That might be a good thing. It was all in the shuffle. It was all in the shuffle. It was all going to happen, right? It also affected not just how we delivered the message, but also how we heard it. So we had more options. We can tune it out. We don't have to go into it. It changed the way we worshiped. We don't have to go into a, a building called a church. We can stream it now. In streaming it now, it gives most of us a chance to say, well, I don't have to go in. I can sit on my couch and stream it. It affected the people who own churches. They stopped making money. Because once they got you in the building, they were going to get their money from you. But if you are not in the building, their numbers are down. They stop acting big pimping and big balling, right? And they're not getting the money that they should from you. Because now you have more options. You can stream it. Now if you, what you will find is that a lot of preachers are on what is considered non-traditional Christian programming. They're on USA. They're on Lifetime. They're on ION television. They're on every other channel but Christian TV. Christian TV is almost non-existent today because it existed solely for the spreading of the gospel so that a platform for Christian, Christian preachers to present their message. But with the advent of social media, you don't need Christian TV. If that is its genre, they did something wrong. Because guess what? Lifetime makes movies about women in situations, right? Is Lifetime still on? Yeah. ESPN makes programming about sports. Is ESPN still relevant? Yes. Cartoon Network makes cartoons for children. Is it still relevant? Yes. Why did Christian television disappear? If they make programming about Christianity, that's the key. It was not programming. It was platforms presenting the gospel. People have a unique idea about what Jesus Christ and the presentation of faith should be like. When it did not match up with their own perception, they became distracted. In the 2010s, we also saw the rise and fall of Joy Lofstein. Remember him? America's preacher. Went everywhere, told everybody about hope. Well, a hurricane came through Houston called uh, Harvey, I think. And 
Joel Osteen refused to open his church to let the people who had nowhere else to go, who were going to be flooded, to let them in. That affected his church. Right? People were like, but you say you are a Christian. We were giving you, we had hope. 2010s also gave more preachers a platform. So now they felt like they could express their political beliefs. They were doing it slyly, but they were like, I can choose whomever I want to choose. Forget about separation of church and state. I'm going to endorse whichever candidate, no matter what the candidate did, no matter who the candidate was. They were still going to, so people became like, whoa, what am I supporting you for? If that is what you believe, then your belief doesn't match up with your message. Your lifestyle and what you express and espouse doesn't match up with your message. I can't support you. The 2010s were very interesting. But the unique thing for me is how we dispose of that. How do you put that together with what you know? And what I found was that the, uh, the scriptures say that God remains the same as the same yesterday, today, and forever. I found that to be true. Technology changed. The world changed. It's almost as if the world spun faster. That we saw all kinds of stuff. We became more aware of human trafficking. We became more aware of sex trafficking. We became more, we started using things thanks to iPhone. We started using things on our phones called apps. We discovered that people also use apps for nefarious activities. They target children. They target women. And whilst all of that was going on, the world was spinning so fast, so very fast. I'm sorry. I'm also remembering 2010 was the decade when the tsunami occurred in Southeast Asia. While we were all in church on a Sunday morning, people were losing their lives. Remember that? That devastating tsunami, right? And so when you look back on it, you, you've got to, you know, you take a look at it and you say, well, what I found was God stayed the same. It's almost like God sat down with his legs crossed and did this. He was still sitting there. Let me see what you're going to do. He didn't change. God didn't put his hand here and say, oh, my God, the children are out of control. Look at them. They're all out of control. We went out of control. But God still stayed the same. The challenge that preachers have is presenting the gospel message in this new format. They're not trained for it. They don't know how to deal with it. They think if they can flood you with all the entertainment in church that that would keep people. No. People nowadays, people know the truth when they hear it. They know BS when they hear it. They know what is utter baloney when they hear it. But they know the truth. And because they're listening for the truth, they can discern pretty quickly. That, that is not what they're saying, ah, there's something nefarious in that. I've never gone anywhere and spoken and people doubt the veracity of what I say. So people, it tells me that people can discern if your lifestyle matches up. A few weeks ago, I was preaching somewhere and I remember I, they did, that audience was new. They didn't know me. So I had to set the stage for what I knew was going to come out of my mouth. And for what I was going to say. And so I set the stage by preparing them, by telling them who I was, right? 
And I found it interesting because I've never found myself doing that. And I found it interesting because I recognized, I was recognizing and, you know, acknowledging that times have changed. People want to know if what you are saying is true. So I had to present it in such a manner, the way in which they would receive it, which was setting the stage so they could know that my lifestyle matches up with what I'm saying. If anything else, that's what we have learned from 2010. That if you're going to come to people, and this is true not just for Christian preachers, it's for anybody who is purveying any kind of message. If you are a TED Talk uh, speaker, whatever you are going to say better match up with your lifestyle. You remember Jillian Michaels on The Biggest Loser, that show? It became The Biggest Loser because they were punishing people. And Jillian Michaels said that she lost weight naturally. What they found out due to social media was that she was actually a fat kid in school. She was fat in her teenage years, and she had surgery to get rid of the weight. It totally destroyed the authenticity of her message. The biggest loser became a big loser, and nothing happened. Do you see what I'm saying? So if anything else, the 2010 thought of was the power of authenticity. The fact that you have to be authentically you. If you're going to do something or say something, then it has to come from a place that is authentically you. If it is authentically you, people are going to see it. In the 2010s, we also discovered this guy, the guy who held the secret. You remember that? And he was taking people out into Arizona, into a commune. And then they found out he was a liar. He was ripping people off. If there is one thing we have learned, if you are going to distribute or purvey any kind of message, you have got to be authentic. Now, people might ask, well, what do I, how do I dispose of my faith? Well, where is your faith? Where do you put your faith? What belief system is attached to what you call faith? Faith is the belief in the power of something changing, that no matter what is going on, things are going to change. You, faith is hope. Because you haven't seen the evidence of it yet. You haven't experienced it, but you believe that it's going to happen. So you start acting as if it's going to happen. You ignore all the situations that are going on around you, and you act as if the future has come into the now. That's what faith is. So if you were to ask yourself, then what do I do with this faith? You continue to hope. You continue to believe. You continue to search until you find that which your heart locks onto. You're still looking for hope. Maybe it's not going to come from the Joel theme. If anything, the 2010s have taught us you can't believe in people who are iconic. Because once the reality is going to show us and it's not going to match up with what they purvey. I can never look at Joel theme right now. I used to be a fan. My friends, I was fandom special, right? But now, I I doubt the veracity and the truthfulness. I don't want to hear it now because I now believe that it's not true, that what you're saying are just words you prepare because it's not coming from a place that is authentic. If anything the 2010s has taught us about faith is to be authentically you in whatever you're going to do. If you believe you're called to be a singer, authentically sing. 
If you believe you're called to be a photographer, do it with authenticity. If you believe you're called to be a rapper, do it with authenticity. Now we're ad advancing into this new decade, and here has emerged another one. Here comes Kanye West declaring that he had an epiphany from heaven, and suddenly he has found Jesus Christ. Underneath all of that, what we found was that he was trying to sell an album called Jesus is King, so he's trying to create a movement around it. Time is going to reveal the lack of authenticity therein. Time will show, and it will destroy him this time. He will be completely destroyed this time. Do you see what I'm saying? So the 2010 has revealed that if you're not authentic, your message will not survive. There was Paula White. She was already fading. Here comes the 2010. All kinds of stuff started emerging. So you start doubting the authenticity of the message. Christian television literally collapsed right before our eyes. We always thought something was wrong with that business model. Why did you have to buy all these stations when you could have just been like CNN? Just have one central place that you broadcast from. But their business model was different. And it worked for a while. It worked. That was their dream, to own television stations that broadcast the gospel. Well, times came, and the 2010s revealed you don't need all of that. You just need YouTube. You need Facebook Live. You need Twitter Live. You need Instagram. 2010s have taught us that if you are authentic, you will find the platforms and the ways to deliver. We've met a lot of artists. In fact, there are so many artists now, you can't keep up with it. I don't remember them all. I can't think of them all. Why? Because with the advent of new technologies, it gave people opportunities that prior to did not exist on a large scale. So now everybody is a singer, rapper, performer somewhere. Everybody has a podcast. Everybody has a show. Everybody has a radio. Radio is fading. Traditional radio is fading. I remember years ago when I first started in radio, I could see that the future was this, this medium. No one believed me, but I knew. So I kind of stuck with it even though I wasn't sure. I went on traditional radio. I remember discussing with the owners that they needed to change their formatting because eventually radio was going to be like this. They didn't listen to me. He had been doing it for 30 years. I was the new kid on the block. What did I know? He's now stuck with a bunch of radio stations across the country that he can't get any listeners on. When I told them to integrate Facebook and to integrate live into it, they didn't see the necessity. So I started streaming my own show from there. Then they cottoned on to it. Too late was their crime. Right? So <laughs> what happened is they're dying. I remember telling somebody else who was an advertiser, I remember telling him that traditional radio in that format was going to go. I remember telling him, don't advertise your business on that format because they're going to go. They're looking for money. He didn't believe me. Guess what? It has happened. Radio One is gone. So Radio 1 networks across the country, mass scale, people who thought they would be on radio forever, their sole occupation was, I am a radio host. I am this. I am that. It's gone. Just like I thought it would. Jesus stayed the same. He's still sitting on the throne. He's been sitting on the throne for over 2,000 years. He's still going to be there. When you and I are replaced by different people, He's still going to be there. 
But even as the faces change, the message and the authenticity ought not to. In a lot of ways, what has happened with Christianity is they lost their authenticity. They lost the ability to convince and persuade people that what they say is true. Because over time, experientially, people realized a different experience. People realized that priests and fathers were touching young boys and young girls in places of worship that utterly destroyed people's faith. The Catholic Church experienced its greatest decline in the last decade. Literally, they're selling off their properties and selling off their churches. You can get a good one for something. Trust me. Catholic church schools are almost a a non-factor now. Why? Because, again, the pervasiveness of media proliferation showed people that their authenticity was lacking. I'm saying to you for this next decade that is coming. If you think you are authentically you now, this next decade is going to open more opportunities. They say that technology has platooed, that there isn't any further we can go. We've discovered everything about apps. The next thing is going to be robots. They're already working on programming robots that are going to replace people in like toll booths, right? Robots are going to be in supermarkets, cleaning the floors, packing the shelves. Those are all going to be robotized in just a bit. Right? And we're going to find our
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.